so Patrick Coleman, uh, welcome to the journey. And thank you. So, thank you. It's glad to be here. So let me just uh, real quickly, let me just explain a little bit about what the journey is. The journey is um, just a just a show where we just have just ordinary individuals come onto the show mm-hmm. talking about um, where they may have had in their life either setbacks or how did they um, with those setbacks, how did they fall forward? How did they learn from those? Um, whatever adversity that they had in their life, how did they um, what led to that? And then what did they learn from it? Most importantly, now okay. what are they doing with that? And All so right. uh, I know we got a chance to meet a, a couple months ago. Yes, and, sir. And, uh, and I know you're pretty active here in the community now, but, um, before we get into all that and hearing your story, why don't you tell us a little bit about what do you do for fun when you have an opportunity to have fun? What do you do for fun? (laughs) Uh, This is going to surprise you. Yeah. (laughs) uh, I have fun training people. Okay. All right. Okay. That, that's, my, that's that's my fun. That's my joy, man. Okay. All right. Well, and that works out perfect, right? Yeah. Because that, I, that's what I love to do. <laughs> and, you know, it's funny because when I do ask people that question, just to kind of get a little bit, knowing a little bit more about who they are, mm-hmm. um, I think that's some of the best ways um, if you can figure out what you're passionate about yes. and what you love to do and you figure out how to monetize that, right. um, you're not going to work. We're just... Oh my! Work is not like that anymore. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah, because yeah. I'm doing something that I love to do. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not like a lot of people got a job and they work a job and they really don't like it. Right, right. Like, right. I really don't like what I do, you know. But I love what I do. Yeah, yeah. I love uh, seeing people get it. Yeah, like, yeah. And then seeing that, and you, and you got to be in the same position as like myself or Dalton or anybody else that's that coaches or, yeah. or, or, or does any aspect of that. You see in them when they get it, they start mm. they start shifting, they start changing, yeah. and, or seeing that, that they can do something that they didn't think they could do before. Right, and right. that that that's a cool cool thing to be yeah. part of. Isn't it's it? like the light bulb comes on in their head and they go, "Bing, yeah. I got it." Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's the great feeling. That's priceless. Yeah. You know, you can't pay me for that one. I, yeah. Man, to see them get it, yeah. to get an understanding of what's really going yeah. on. And once they feel that, right, mm-hmm. then they can't lose it. Oh, man, it's there. Yeah. It's like riding a bike. It's yeah. there. Yeah. They may they may not practice it and forget about it. They may forget it for, yeah. because they don't practice it. Right. But it'll it'll come back up. It's always there. Yeah. It's, like, it's like an instinct. It's like a reaction. It's, yeah. always, it's always there. Yeah. Well, Patrick, if you could just maybe share a little bit about, uh, you know, where'd you come from? Mm-hmm. You know, a little bit about your background, a little bit about your family. Um, why don't you start start with that? I'm originally from right here in Rockford. I was okay. born here in Rockford. Um, my family, uh, of course, my grandfather it was from, you know, down south, and my grandmother's from down south. My mother was raised here in Rockford, and I was raised mm-hmm. here in Rockford. Okay. And, um, this is where it's at. Eight one five, baby. Uh, okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Now, do you have siblings? Um, I was I was the only child born to my mother. Oh, okay. 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 And then uh, she adopted a son. Okay. And I have a, a step sister. Oh, okay. Gotcha. That I was raised with. Yeah. Okay. And your your brother who was adopted, right? Mm-hmm. How? What's the age difference between? Oh, them? we were fifteen years apart. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So right. I was fifteen playing football in high school, you know, okay. I was this little kid I had to come home to. Yeah. And yeah. I loved it though. Yeah. I loved it. Um there's a big gap. Yeah. Big gap. But not I, I turned pro in boxing at nineteen, so I was only around them for like really four or five years. Yeah. And then I had to leave. Okay. Yeah. And so that in well, we're gonna definitely get into that part of your story yes, about sir. with the with the boxing. Um and so, but that's almost like being an uncle, right? I mean, yeah, you know, there's yeah. a pretty big age difference there. So yeah, but at 15, I mean, I, you know, we 15 year old young men, we're our minds are on girls and stuff like that. So, yeah. but I always had the little brother to come home to and sure. play with. I loved him, you know, I loved right. it. I just I didn't have a lot of time with him, right? Because I had to leave, so right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, let's let's jump into that. How did you get interested in boxing? Because I know that was at an early age, yeah. Well, I, I think I was about five years old when okay. my well, stepped out. My stepdad introduced me into um into boxing. Okay. Uh I used to watch fights all the time, have his friends over and I was really interested in it. And in fact when I was five, six years old, I I knew when fighters would fight, I knew who had the better jab, okay. you know, who had the who had the movement, who had the speed, who had defense better. I knew all that at the age of like five, six years old. Okay. Boxing. And what and yeah, how like when you think about that now, mm-hmm. looking back on it, how at a at a young age 
did you were able to differentiate between this boxer having certain skill level right. versus another? How do you where do you think that all I, came? I don't know, man. That's hard it's because I was so in love with it as a kid. Okay. Most kids would watch cartoons and stuff at that time, and I was I would love boxing. Okay, I would love, and I, my dad would have videotapes, VCR or whatever VHS. Yeah. I put it back on there, watch different fights, and okay. mimic them. And I was okay. doing that at a young age. Okay, okay. So I, I don't, I don't, I always love boxing. Gotcha. Okay. You know, right. I don't know. If, I remember when my dad was teaching me how to do the stuff when I was about five, but. I've been in love with it ever since. Okay. Now, did he box, or did he was he just boxed a fan? in the army? Oh, okay. He boxed okay. in the army. He never took it any further. Okay. But he boxed in the army, and um, and um, well, I guess when he got with my mother, I, I was a little tiny kid. I was I had a small man complex too growing up. I was real small. Okay. And I think that he just wanted to teach me, uh, okay. tough me up a little bit or whatever. And um, I just fell in love with it. Okay. I okay. fell in love with it from there on. Okay. But if I remember correctly, mom had a different thought about that. Yeah. <laughs> so. uh, mom loved the fact that I was learning how to defend myself, but she didn't want me to get in the ring. Okay. And actually, she, uh, my dad talked her into letting me go to the gym at the age of five, but she wouldn't let me fight until I was 15. Okay. So actually, I had 10 years experience Okay. Um, before I had my first fight. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So, so when you went to the gym, so they just allowed you to practice train. And, mm-hmm. and train and 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 learn certain the skills and mm-hmm. and and those type of things, but didn't want you to get into. Now, did you spar at that time period? Actually, I did. Okay. Uh, All right. Hope mom think mom know about that. She probably know about it now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I did. Uh, I started training at five and for total ten years with uh, Bill Pepin, okay. um, Jimmy Goodman Senior. And Nate Gould, uh, senior, that's that's who the guys that, that trained with okay. for all those years. Okay. Until my mother released me to to fight, but I've been sparring all the time. Okay. Uh, so I had I already knew exactly what was going on in the ring. Man, I had a, a good IQ already. Okay. Um, so I'd have my first fight since I was fifteen. Okay. <laughs> so during that time period, obviously you're heavily involved with athletic. I mean, you're an athlete and, mm-hmm. and you're doing athletic activity. Yeah. Did you play, you, you said you played I football? I played junior tackle football. Okay. Uh, I think that program is still going. I played for Booker Washington. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I still played, uh, and I played, uh, I played one year at Lincoln Middle School. Okay. And um, high school, I played at uh, Rockford East. Oh, okay. uh, four years. Oh, did you? Okay. Yeah, right. so I, I was still doing other things in boxing. Okay, so you, so that, and, I, and that was very much my experience too. Cause yeah. My my sport with bodybuilding was it's not a high school sport, so so you we had to do it outside yeah, of school. But I also wanted to be involved with football, school involved stuff with school too. stuff too. You know, because <laughs> yeah. that's where the girls were, and that's oh what, yeah, yeah, and that's yeah, where your friends definitely. were and stuff. So, and then, um, so what what do you think, or what was the reason why why fifteen? Why why was that the magic number for your mom? I don't know. I think uh, I think I, I, my, my stepdad kept pushing her. Okay. And I think at fifteen she started noticing that I was, you know, I'm, 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 I can handle myself. Okay. You know, so I I don't know why, but I'm glad she did. She yeah. well, she released me at fifteen. Okay. And uh, we fought immediately. Okay. Um, actually won every tournament you can at at fifteen. Uh, Junior Olympics, uh, state silver gloves. So I won every all those tournaments. And, okay. Um, that's why I didn't really stay amateur long because okay. uh, I had so much experience. Gotcha. Okay. So then um, you were, you started at fifteen, and then mm-hmm. you said at nineteen. Yeah, four years later, four, I turned pro. Okay. And so so those were the different titles you won as an amateur. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And also, uh, when I was sixteen, seventeen, um, I won the uh, Golden Gloves. Okay. The uh, Springfield Golden Gloves, Illinois Golden Gloves, and then I uh, went to the nationals and I lost in the semifinals. Okay. And then the next year is when I went to Chicago, uh, and um, I wanted to turn pro. I had a child in high school, okay. and um, they made me stay amateur one more year. He okay. said I had to win the Chicago Golden Gloves right. in order to prove um, that I that I was ready to turn pro. But I think he did it for just to get the Chicago people behind me, okay. uh, as far as knowing who I am, you know, getting sponsorship and things like that. So I, I went one more year and, and went to the Golden Gloves, won the Golden Gloves in, in Chicago, went to the Nationals again. This time I lost in the quarterfinals. Okay. And uh, right after that, about a month later, I turned pro. Okay, gotcha. So, and I know you mentioned this before, about the difference between um, the Springfield Golden Gloves and yeah. the Chicago Golden Gloves. So what's... What was- I, I think the Illinois Golden Gloves, which is down in Springfield, um, Chicago has has so much uh, 
so many so much potential in boxing there. It's, yeah. it's big. It's yeah. huge. So it was it was too so big. It had their own Golden Gloves. Gotcha. And then you had the Illinois Golden Gloves. I so I won the Illinois Golden Gloves. But when I moved to Chicago, my manager. He said, I need you to win the Golden Gloves and we'll turn your pro. I said, sir, I'm already a Golden Glove champion. What yeah, are you yeah. talking about? He said, no, you got to win the Chicago Golden Gloves. So okay. it was, it's a bigger tournament. Okay. Uh, it lasts a lot longer. More people's involved. Yeah. And so uh, I wiped through that one, too. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Okay. And so then a month later, you turned pro. Yeah, I and turned so, pro. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about what that what that was like. And especially, again, now you're 19 years old. Yeah. You turned pro. Yeah. And you're now, you're now living a dream that yes. has been going on for 14 years. Oh, yeah. But you're only 19. I'm only 19. <laughs> right. And um, I left home. I uh, remember my mother crying when I left. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want me to leave, but it was something I had to do. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I could do it. I went to, to turn pro, and um, it, it was totally different than what I thought because uh, I didn't know um, all the stuff that came with it, all the requirements. And uh, when I got a trainer, I ended up getting a, a, a personal trainer and a, a nutritionist and all that stuff. I, I couldn't eat this or that. But I wasn't really eating that kind of stuff anyway. But it was just different for me. But it was like it was so like, okay, this is for real now. Okay. Um, they're serious now, and then I was getting uh, you know, getting paid every week just to train. So um, that was kind of different for me too. You know, being nineteen, being eighteen before I turned pro, being eighteen and getting money and you know just to train, and this is so different for me. Though I did, I didn't really know how to handle money or none of that kind of stuff. Sure, you know, yeah. coming up. Well, and you and because that that was right at the time when you left home, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so, the, so, mom and mom and your stepdad or dad have been taking care of everything, yeah. and all of a sudden you're on your I'm own. I'm on my own, and and so, and, and maybe I think some of some of our audience members may not really fully grasp, you know, when you turn pro, what exactly does that mean? Because a lot of times I think they think what they see on TV, yeah. and then what the purse is when they win. Yeah. But what? So what? Well, life changes. When you t- when you turn pro, you talk about turning pro, and you have people that's that are managing you and advising you and over your career, you're not your own anymore. Okay, you know. So uh, I went from being under um, being taken took care of by my parents to having um, managers and agents look okay. over me, but uh, still was missing some stuff. They wasn't raising me to be a man. They were just kind of protecting my boxing career. Sure, okay. you know, as I was coming up. Okay, so um, so when you sign, I'm assuming there's like a contract you signed with them, and then they they are banking on that as you go into these fights, then you're going to get paid from the fights, and Mm -hmm. then they're then they're going to get paid from that. Of course, but my manager like he would pay me like weekly. Okay, but uh, I believe that uh, he had to do something with the taxes because he was paying me weekly, and then I'll I'll get purses and I put my purses up. But he still was paying me, so I'm pretty sure he was getting something okay. um, at the end of the year with taxes and stuff like that. But um, he pretty much let me um, do my thing, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, he, okay. you know, he figured I had it, <laughs> sure, but I didn't. I, I didn't. I didn't know anything I was getting myself into. Yeah. So, so let's let's first talk about some of those first fights. Yeah. At, at, at turning pro, mm-hmm. and because it seemed like as you were going through your amateurs outside of a couple of the national tournaments, it seemed like there was a lot of success. Oh yeah. You know, and in turning pro, what what was different about that? The, those first pro fights. It, it was so. It was so real, man. Um, actually, to tell you the truth, my first. Four or five fights were easy. Okay. They were like first round knockouts. It's like they got some just to build my name up, uh-huh. um, get my name known in Chicago, uh, and it was my my fan base was growing big time, um, all the way up until about I, I was fifteen and old before I even lost the fight. Okay. But I, I say about my ninth tenth fight, I started fighting tougher guys. Okay. And it started getting serious. I started having an understanding how to. Uh, um, relax in there and 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 learning the ring IQ and things okay. like that. So I had my first loss at fifteen. I was okay. fifteen and zero. Okay. And I lost my first fight. Okay. And that that, that was devastating. Okay. Um, I actually called myself quitting after I lost that, and I came home. Um, for a short period of time, when I came home, I found myself getting into trouble because a lot of my friends were that that I graduated school with. Um, were into uh, drugs and stuff when I got back home. Okay. And I ended up getting caught up in that as well for a, a brief period of time and find myself in trouble. Okay. So 
so let's talk about that fight. What were leading into going into that fight? Oh. I mean, what what was different about that fight as you were preparing for that fight? Yeah. You, if you remember back to that time period, yeah. what was the preparation like? What was that? What was different about that fight? And then, I, actually, I think that was the first fight that I I kind of took the guy easily, took him for granted. Mm. Um, he was ten and five. Okay. I was fifteen and zero. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't ever think about the fact that the five guys he lost against were top guys. Okay. Then then we'll think about that. I always thought that I'm fifteen and zero, I can't be beat. This is this is, you know, I'm the man, you know. Yeah, yeah. And so I, I don't think I took my training as serious as I, I should have. Okay. Uh I still was doing some things that uh I wasn't supposed to do, like um being intimate with women. Um, before the fight, you got to save your strength and stuff like that. And so I was young and and, and dumb and didn't know what I was doing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I, I didn't take it. I, I I didn't take him serious as I thought. Like the other ones were easy, mm-hmm. and I thought he would be easy as well. Okay, okay. And uh, you know, I think that you know, and you if you said this a couple times today, and I think there is a huge missing piece in in our culture, is, is that part of the mentorship. Yeah. So you can get you can we. You know, we can have somebody in our life showing us how to do certain things yeah. and, and coaching us along and stuff like that. But if they don't speak into us about right. those other things outside of the gym or outside yeah. of the ring or whatever, um, then we get distracted. Right. Nobody taught me how to save money. Mm-hmm. No, nobody ever taught me how to, you know, do anything like that. Um, nobody ever taught me how to be a man. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know if, if, if somebody can teach you how to be a man, but kind of guide you or along the way when I was having certain issues or. Um, problems or things I didn't understand, I didn't have no one to go to mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. talk to. And I think it's very important to have a mentor. Yeah. But I, I didn't. I didn't have a mentor right. at that time. Well, and I know for me that even in my in my case, there was a. I, I had a lot of guys that were older. They they would tell me stories about what they were doing. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of do do as I uh, do as I say, but Not don't as do I as do. I do. Right. right. And but that still left the gap of what do I do when I find myself in similar situations. Right. And part of it was how I translated was I didn't know how to ask for help. Right. I knew how to ask for help when it came to doing a certain exercise or getting ready for a show or yeah. something, but I didn't know how to ask for help when it came to girls or when it came to, should I do this job or do that job or, right. or you know, those types of things. Um, knew how to ask for help if I should, get into this show right. versus that one but not necessarily about the other things mm-hmm. and didn't even know to ask that, yeah. was, that was the other thing i just didn't even know to i ask. was so cocky um at that age um i think it was like when i got my loss i was like 20 i think it was like 20 21 i was so cocky mm-hmm. i thought i was the, the best thing they ever put on gloves you know i mm-hmm. thought i was the best in the world you know I, um i believe that i'm sure that as i as i think about it it was a few trainers that wanted to sit down and talk to me about stuff and I was like man I'm, I've done this you mm-hmm. you know you, you, I, I was so cocky mm-hmm. and I, I don't I don't think I think if somebody was trying to talk to me and talk some sense into me or trying to get me to understand more about life I don't think I would have listened mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure they did but I, I just didn't listen sure yeah because at that young, at that age yeah. you know and, and you're, you're a pro at yeah. 19 20 yeah you think and, you're the best <laughs> and and everything has been showing right yeah. that I just have to put my time in, do do some training, do, and and then everything will be okay, right? And and there's that false sense of that false reinforcement yeah. that everything's going to continue being okay. You know, it's interesting when you talk about that idea about being open or or being closed. We can, you know, we may you know be polite and listen to them, but we're not being open to them because right. it's just not sinking in. It's, it's going through one ear and out the other, yeah. especially if you have a wall up. Mm-hmm. And I had a wall up because I was I was I was cocky. I was overconfident. Mm-hmm. Um, I I thought I was the man. Mm-hmm. I thought that all I had to do was fight and be with girls, and mm-hmm. that's the world is mine. Yeah, I, I didn't listen to nobody that reason or understand. No, I thought I knew it all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I was young. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think that there is that element. Of, so losing this fight, yeah, and the other part of it must have quickly come to you that you know part of the reason why you lost the fight was yeah. you didn't, prep, didn't prepare, prepare for it. Right. But if you're like me, I'm not telling anybody about that. <laughs> I, I, I wasn't I wasn't I wasn't right. I wasn't prepared right. Um I was uh I was uh messing around with marijuana mm-hmm. and girls and I, I just thought that was thought that was it. Yeah. Thought that yeah. was like this is the life right yeah. here. I'm away from home. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. I'm a professional boxer, I'm getting money. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. I thought it was it. Yeah. But when you lost that fight, right? Yeah. And you said that that was the first time when you started first the first time you considered quitting. Yeah, I, I called myself quitting. Yeah. And I came back home to Rockford. I was living in Chicago at the time. Came back home to Rockford, and a lot of my friends at the time, um, they weren't into doing anything. They weren't. They, they get out of high school and they, and and they're at a place they don't know what to do want to do in life. So they start get at this time in the eighties and nineties, uh, drugs and cocaine and stuff was really. Um, rock cocaine, all kind of stuff was really on the high. So the kids were trying to be uh, pimps and players, you know, and run the streets. And, and when I came back home, um, you know, and I, I, ran, I fell right into the trap with with my friends. You okay, know what I mean, and, okay. And uh, we actually got was selling drugs and got busted. Okay, got busted. Um, my managers don't got you know they, yep. they found out what happened. Um, they let me sit a little while. They bonded me out, and um. I went right back to Chicago. I said, this is not the life I want. Okay. I was scared. Okay. I went back and I missed boxing. I went back to Chicago immediately. Um, the lawyers, they did help me um, get out of the uh, situation. Okay. I still was convicted. I still had to do something, you know, uh, crime. I do some time and, mm. and pay some fines, but um, yeah. But for the most part, they was they were giving you a second a second opportunity. Yeah, second yeah. chance. And my, okay. my manager's a trainer. My manager is so wise. Um, he allowed me to make my mistakes. Okay. But he waited for me to to call him and say, "Look, I'm, I'm sorry. Can I come back? Can sure? I get it right?" And so uh, he already invested money in me. I knew better than that. Yeah. And I didn't I didn't know he would take me back like that. But I knew he wasn't gonna leave me out here like that. Yeah. Being uh, only had fifteen and one. Right, right, right. And he invested a lot of money in me. So I'm glad he brought me back. He brought me back to Chicago. And um, okay. I got back on track again. Okay. All right. <laughs> so so then, yeah, tell us about that part. What? How did the, how did that run go? Oh, man. When I got back, uh, um, my manager decided that he wasn't going to um, give me uh, poop butts to fight anymore. Okay. That it was time to step up. I had to be a man and step up. And so I fought Soul Mambi, a two-time world champion, just passed away a couple we uh, a couple of weeks ago, great fighter, older guy. He taught me a lesson in that ring. I won, but he taught me a lesson. He taught me that you got to work hard, man, because he he was smart and intelligent in there. He did some things in there that you know that I wasn't I wasn't aware of. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I wasn't pr- prepared for, but I did enough to win the fight. And and you know I pretty much won a natural decision because I was young and he mm-hmm. was pretty much old, but. Um, I learned a lot because afterwards he had a chance to talk to me. Okay. He was like, hey, man, if you're going to do this, man, be for real about it. You're going to be a good one, this and that, this and that. You know, so I, I think so, Mommy, for that. Rest in peace. Okay. So that, so that was a, that was a, another individual who was somebody your manager trying to reach out to you. Yeah. And, and obviously you just got done being in the ring with them, so you're open. Yeah, you know, because I'm it, open. There's a level – and maybe you can touch on this for just for a sec. Um in combat sports, right, yeah, yeah. and there's a level. Well, or maybe I'll, let me ask the question: Is there a level of respect that happens in that in that scenario that may not happen in other sports? I believe so because we're in there trying to take each other heads off. Mm-hmm. Um, there's reported like eight deaths a year in the boxing ring, mm-hmm. so guys are really trying to take you out. And um, after the fight against him. And, 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 of course, other champions that I have a chance to fight later in, in life. But after that fight, man, I had so much respect for him. And I think that's – and then he was so wise to me. So when he talked to me, I was open. Yep. I was open to hear him. And he was telling me what was going to happen. And I didn't even – I mean, I heard him. But I, I just, no, I ain't going to do that. He told me about drugs, groupies, people slipping mickeys people trying to take away you know who you are he told me all this stuff in a we talked for about an hour after the fight okay. in the locker room me and him yeah. and i i heard him some things i heard but i still wasn't mature enough or prepared to believe everything that he that he was telling me would come yeah. true to me yeah. but but it did yeah well it's, a, it's amazing how our resistance to us taking stuff in we get this foreshadowing right this mm-hmm. this forewarning that's that this is how it this is how the the game really is yeah. and i don't know yes i got you but it won't happen to me that's exactly what that's exactly what i thought i said i hear you i know that's probably happened to some before me but it's not gonna happen to me yeah man i'm pat cat coleman are you yeah. crazy <laughs> you know what I mean? that's how i was thinking yeah 
and I I've was already, young still. Yeah, and 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 then if you're like I am, I'm gonna take one or two experiences of my past and say, oh, I learned that lesson. I won't go down there again. Mm-hmm. Right, and and it's almost again that false confidence. Right. That, no way. I'll fall for drugs. I mean, I just got busted uh, playing around with my friends in Rockford, yeah. and I, I just got out of that. It's never gonna happen to me. I'll never use. I'll never get into that. Yeah. Get trapped in that life. That's what I thought. Yeah. So so you you fought that fight, you yes. win that fight and and now your manager's putting you into tougher situations. Tougher fights, yeah. And in knowing then I'm I'm assuming that also part of that know, knowing then that you have to you know you're going to have to train harder because yes. these are tougher guys. Definitely. And he he knew that enough about you that he you, if if you thought you might have an easier fight, there may be a tend to, to sit back on your heels. Yes. Right. So I think that I would think that was very that was strategic by him because he knew I was getting a little bit beside myself. Yeah. And so he had to make the role tougher for me, which is good because it brought out the best in me. He knew that. Yeah. I, I I tend to fight to my competition. If my competition is really not that good, then I lower myself through just enough to win. Mm-hmm. You know, but then then I then I was fighting somebody not as good and mm-hmm. I lower myself to that person. Then he went he said, Okay, well I'm gonna I'm gonna get him people that are up here. Yep. To bring him up. Yep, yep. And so I had like about three or four T V fights after that. Okay. And uh T V loved me because uh because how tough I was and I was always ready to go at it. I was real mean in the, in the ring and it was good for TV. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they called him on a regular for me to fight. Okay. All right. And so, uh, so as you continued fighting, what, what were some things, uh, that, 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 that older champion mentioned? What, what were some things that started now started coming true? Yeah. He told me, he said, look, it's going to be a lot of people. He was talking about groupies. They're gonna be around. He said they're gonna they're manipulative. Um, they're gonna they're gonna act like they're your friends, but they're not. They all want something, mm-hmm. and I, I, I I'm so friendly. Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, I get along with everybody, mm-hmm. and I and, and I end up getting in, caught up in that because after a couple of big fights, uh, Hector Camacho was a uh, uh, rest in peace. Was a, t- a top fighter when I was coming up. He was a guy that I looked up to as a boxer. He fought on the same card in Rock in Chicago. I'm sorry, and um, I was on the undercard. I was the co-main event. He was the main event, mm-hmm. and uh, we were uh, we were in the gym training about a week before the fight, and uh, I hear a whole bunch of ruckus. Ah, it's macho time! It's macho time! I'm like, what's going on? And this whole entourage comes up the stairs of Windy City Gym in Chicago, and there's Hector Camacho, and I'm in the in, in the ring shadow boxing. And they, they were talking to him, and I'm like, there's the champ. You know, I'm not going to act. I'm not starstruck. I'm going to keep working out. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm working out, and he looks over at me, and he goes, oh, that's the top guy, huh? You know? And he's, oh, man, look at them legs, them skinny legs. He can't fight. It's macho time. You know, he's, t- he's talking about me. And everybody's laughing. It's like, I do have, I got skinny legs. So I was <laughs> laughing, and I laughed back with him and everything. And I, and then I never got a chance to really talk to him, even after he was talking crap about mm-hmm. me and everything. I didn't get a chance to talk to him until after the fight. Mm-hmm. Um, at the Rosemont Horizon, I, I put on a, a devastating show, fought a very tough guy, tougher guy than he had, and I won the fight on the, on the knockout. He uh, went the distance with somebody that was less, and so it was a lot of conversation going on. But after that, he comes up to me and he goes, hey, man, I like you, man. Why don't you come up to my suite? So he got a suite, top floor at higher, higher Regency, double suite hooked up. Go in there, and there's all kind of um, half-naked, um, Hispanic women and white women and black women and there's drugs everywhere. There's there's and I don't understand. Um, I was just happy to be there. Here I am with the champ of the world, mm-hmm. and this is how we living. Mm-hmm. This is how we do it. Yep. So it was false for me. I was thinking this is the life. This is how we do it. Yep. I'm trying cocaine and stuff, drugs for you know cocaine for the first time. Just doing a. Stuff that I would normally not do. Sure, sure. Yeah. The yeah. same things that Soul Mommy was telling me was going to happen, I ran right into it. Mm-hmm. Like with blindfolds on, but it, I wasn't blindfolded. I posted yeah. knew better. Yeah. And, and, I, and, I, and I, I did get involved um, with, with that life. And um, I ended up getting um, addicted to the lifestyle. Yeah. yeah. Living like that, like flash and, 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 and money and women and mm-hmm. drugs. And it became something that I, I, I got I, I got immune to. I liked it. 
Mm-hmm. I thought that was it. I thought right. that was life. I thought right. I finally made it. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I I very much remember one of the things that I had come coming up to when I was bodybuilding, but um, because of back then, you know, you get yeah. you you're either bouncing bars or mm-hmm. or you're a personal trainer mm-hmm. or you're working security for some <laughs> arena, and I did all three of those, all right? <laughs> <laughs> so so, but with that, then working security for different arenas, there would be back in the '80s when I was doing it. Um, there was all these different bands that were coming through okay. the different areas and yeah. and it was very much there was an element to that now i was yeah. working so it was working security for them so it was different because i wasn't uh, a guest right yeah. in your case all of a sudden at that night you're part of it you're almost like in some ways you had your own uh, spotlight on you because yeah. of the fight that just had pusher and a high from that yes. from that fight too, right? And, and I'm so thinking, this is great. Yeah, so I can see I can see how intoxicating that would be. Yes, and and then the, and then the whole lifestyle aspect of it that there's this um, this temptation, this allure yeah. uh, of so this is the payoff for all this hard work, right? And, and and that's exactly what I thought. I said, "This is the payoff. This is what this is what this is all about. This is this was being a champion is all about. Yeah. Being one of the best fighters in the world is all about." I, I didn't I didn't understand nothing. I'm telling you, man. I'm glad you brought it up because so mommy did open the door. He told me this stuff would happen, yeah. and I, I just I just had to. I was like, I, I had the blinders on. I yeah. really couldn't see what was happening. Yeah, you know. And so I got caught up in that lifestyle. Um, my manager. Knew I was having some problems. Okay. He he, he was a uh, um, a former alcoholic or whatever, and he knew I was going through something. Mm-hmm. Um, so he thought he was doing the right thing by moving me to San Diego, California. Okay. I went there to spar with Terrible Terry Norris. At the time, he was an undisputed junior middleweight champion. I sparred with him. I went up there to spar with him on a trial basis. He fell in love with me. He told my manager, keep him here. And so I stayed there. His trainer became my trainer because my first trainer previously passed away. Okay. Um, so I, I ended up going to California. And now here's the lights. I'm in California. I'm in Hollywood. I'm mm-hmm. doing it now. You know, this is it. Um, the habits became serious. Mm-hmm. It became more. It, came, it didn't become just a habit. It became an addiction. Yeah. And I began to get addicted to the lifestyle yeah, yeah. and everything that came with it. Yeah. And uh, I was dropping, I was training harder than ever and knocking out some of the top guys in the world. But after that, I was, I, I still, I became it'd be that party life. Yeah. That, 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 you know, I thought that was it. Yeah. Like this yeah. is this, I finally made it. Yeah. I'm in Hollywood now. <laughs> you, you know, it's, in, it's interesting. And, and your manager probably, again, you know, he had a job to do, yes. you know, he cared about you, but yes. at the same time you, you fall into this idea that, okay, if I just relocate him, then that'll, you know, that's what happened. We move from Rockford, get him away from Rock, get him back to Chicago. He'll do fine. Mm-hmm. Did fine. Well, all right. He's having problems here. Let's just let's move, move on. Yeah. And, and we, we talk about that in addiction work yeah. is that, that relocation mm-hmm. you, but the problem with that is that you follow you right? right. <laughs> wherever you go, you yeah. happen to be there. Right. Yeah. And it don't, it don't matter where, I'm at. I was the problem, right? It's like okay, let's move him to California. Yeah, Chicago wasn't a problem. Yeah, Rockford wasn't a problem. Yeah, Pat was the problem. Right. Yeah. And 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 the part of Pat being the problem yeah. was thinking that you could get away with it, right? Yeah. That that <laughs> the lifestyle. Yeah. Uh, I'll train during the day and party at night. Yeah. Right. And or or however that was. Right. And so I think it's it's the thinking. That gets us so distracted yeah. off of what we really want to be able exactly. to do. You know, exactly. I'm glad you said that because Terry Norris's manager, um, I saw him some years later, and he was telling another kid, young kid coming up. He said, "This guy right here, man, he was crazy. He could he could drink and party all night, man, and go in there and do 12 rounds with the champion. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought that, that that's not cool. Yeah, you know, what I mean, I I really thought about. it. I said, wait, that ain't cool. Right. I don't want to be known. For that, yeah. <laughs> you know? right, right. But I'm glad you said that because he did say that to someone. That was later in life. It was yeah, yeah. After at this point, but right. But it 
again, it's those things that we sit back and reflect on. Reflect on, yeah. yeah. And and we don't hear it at the time because we can only hear so much. Right. You know, it's exactly. kind of like it's kind of like driving down the road, and those, we have the signs on the side of the road, but car seems to be fine now. Road mm. seems to be fine now. Right. You know, right. and, um, and and we it can't really take it. You know, take it in yet. So out in California, you, you know, the the lifestyle is now amplified. It's amplified, yes. right? And 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 so, so what's happening now? What's happening with, with oh the man? It's it, it was a beautiful time because I was winning. Um, some of the most gorgeous women live in California or go to California to hang out. <laughs> so I, I was having like a ball, a, a man in his early 20s and just really having a ball, mm. um, not even thinking of the consequences of, of anything that's going on. Um, I end up getting a, a title shot, a, okay. a championship shot for the uh, NABF, North American Boxing Federation Championship against Daryl Coley. I was amped up for a fight, very pumped up, um, but I was addicted to, mm. to drugs, mm. and I was still using. And um, I used day prior to the fight. Mm. I went inside the fight, and, and, and the guy was number two in the world, one of the best, fast hands, putting hands on me for most of the fight. Now, it's on YouTube. He, had, he was with me for most of the fight. Um, ninth round, I, I, got, I caught him with a great shot, dropped him. Um, he, he got up the bell rung. He never could recover the 10th. I was all over him. They stopped the fight. I become the NABF champion. Now I'm number two in the world. Guaranteed title shot against Ike Corte, $400,000 flat. Win or, win or lose, I'm going to get it. Four hundred grand. Here it is. I made it. Mm -hmm. They go to the locker room. Congratulations, Pat. Pee in this cup. Oh. I know it's over. Mm. Pee the cup. <sighs> my manager on my way back, my train I went back to San Diego, California. My trainer told me, Okay, Pat, don't come to the gym for a couple of days and enjoy yourself and we'll see you. We'll get ready after that. I got a phone call. Pat, you failed a drug test. You stripped of your title. You suspended a whole year. And the title shot is off. Manager stopped stop paying me. He said, okay, you need I'm gonna take since you suspended, I'm not gonna. And um I found myself on the street in San Diego and and with an addiction. Mm -hmm. This time I, I don't have the money. This time I just have an addiction. And then it hit. I'm out there. And um, I started doing robberies, not robberies, but strong arm robberies, same thing. Mm -hmm. Snatching purses, knocking dudes out, taking their wallet, running. You know, mm -hmm. I, I became a, a full full pledge addict mm -hmm. out there in San Diego, California. And um, I got locked up for the first time ever mm -hmm. um, in prison, not not jail. First time ever going to prison. I went in California, um, and there, um, I had another wake up call. Okay. Um, it was Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, and um, I ended up getting into a scuffle with some guy, because uh, I don't eat sweets. I don't eat cakes mm -hmm. and candy. So so I used to give my sweets to this guy, and he'd give me his, you know, the meat portion of the meal. And I guess this, somebody got mad because they wanted the the sweets or, or the meat or whatever. And uh, he said, oh, we got a love connection in here or something, so... That was like a no-no, mm -hmm. and um, so me and the guy put us in a cell together and let us fight it out. So we fought it out. Of course, I did what I had to do. We come back out, and boxing's on TV. Happened to be uh, the same guy that I knocked out for the title. He was fighting somebody else for my vacant title. And so they showed pictures of me knocking him out and of course the inmates saw it and it was an older guy and uh, he called me over to himself he said come here man and I went over to him he goes it's Martin Luther King's birthday and you in there fighting this this guy this black guy for no reason and here you are on TV you ought to be ashamed of yourself 
and it, it really hit me. Mm-hmm. I went. I remember going to the cell even before the fight was over. I went to. I went. I left and went to my cell, and I looked at myself in the mirror, and I was like, "Oh man, what am I doing? Mm-hmm. What am I even doing here?" Mm-hmm. So here comes the wake up call, mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and that's when, when, I, when I looked at myself and I said, "Whoa, something's got to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's got to be me. I got to change. I got to change mm-hmm. now." Right. So at, at that time period, so you're in state penitentiary, California state mm-hmm. penitentiary, mm-hmm. and and how much time? How much time do you, if you remember, how much time did you have left, approximately, to, to serve in that sense? I, I think I had like nine more months to go. I was there probably nine months already. Okay, I had nine more months to go, and that um, I, I I'll never forget it, man, because I remember after looking at myself in the mirror, I remember looking at myself and said, "What am I doing?" You know, and um, I started working out. Okay. Okay, and um, I was very surprised that you know, other inmates were with me. Mm-hmm. You know, like this guy said, okay, man, I'll run a mile with you, man. Then do, do such and such got to come in and do another mile with, you know. Mm-hmm. And so they started working out with me and doing weights with me. And um, I, I was just so excited because I knew when I get out of here, I'm going to work. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. how I felt, you know. Sure. But it was a good. It was a wake up call. I needed that. I needed that. But it, it wasn't the end though. But yeah. It was a good wake but, up call. But then there was. But that was probably the first time in a while that you had eighteen or approximately eighteen months no drugs. No drugs at all. Right. So so the first there were drugs available there. Oh okay 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, but 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 I wasn't. I had no no interest in drugs. Okay. So so you have eighteen months. No drugs. Yes. And then halfway through-ish, approximately, mm-hmm. is when Martin Luther King's birthday is. Yeah. And you have this uh, enlightenment, this wake yeah, up, right? wake up. And um, and then you start preparing for leaving. Yes. Okay. And so physically, you're starting to prepare for leaving. Um, what What's going on mentally and emotionally? Oh, it, it, this, this is what got me mentally. Um, I started doing something I didn't have to do. Um, I could just do my time and get out of there. Mm-hmm. But I started taking classes. Okay. Just, just, to, just for me. Mm-hmm. I, I knew I needed. I had to do some things to make me think differently. Mm-hmm. And that's basically what the the classes they had were like called options, where you can go and just trying to give you different options instead mm-hmm. of doing things how we usually do it, or mm-hmm. you know, you know, yeah, how we how we usually do things. Thinking of doing things differently, and and what it, and what the options does, it helps you. It gives you a, a moment. When you're going through something, or you might even have going through a drug thing, and you might feel like, oh, I, can, oh, I feel like I gotta go binge. Um, it give you a different option to okay. think about, like okay. I could do something else instead of this, or taking a moment to think about something else might get you past that that feeling moment. moment. Yeah, so yeah. I took I took a couple classes while we were in there, um, starting to get myself. Um, together okay. mentally as well as physically. Okay, gotcha. So then you get out mm-hmm. and. and Tell us a little bit about what happens then. I get out. Great things start happening as far as fights. Um, I started getting some. Uh, I got back in the top ten. I had a couple of knockouts in a row. Um, they moved me in a higher weight class from welterweight, being number two in the world as a welterweight. And um, they end up, even like today, 1996, look my welterweight, welterweight division up. I'll be rated number nine in the world. Still there. The Ring of Magazine, still there. But next year... At 154, when I came back, I came back at 154, a weight class heavier, and that got me all the way to number seventh in the world as a junior middleweight. The couple of fights that I had then, okay. and uh, man, I was on a, I was on a roll. Mm-hmm. I was on a roll. I didn't think nothing was gonna stop me. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I knew that I've been through the roughest part, but I, but it actually it, it wasn't over. <laughs> okay, <laughs> it wasn't over. Okay, okay. So the so then that temptation came back. The lifestyle, yes, sir. Yep, came yes, back. sir. It came back. Yep. So, so then, uh, even though you're ranked seventh in the world mm-hmm. and you're getting some opportunities to fight again, yeah, um, the lifestyle comes back. Yeah, it comes back, I, and this is what happens. I, a guy, I got a new trainer. Mm-hmm. Okay, he was uh, he was Ken Norton's manager. Okay. Like Ken Norton fought out of San Diego. Um, I had a big fight against a guy that just got. Put out of the top ten. He just got pushed out. He just lost and got pushed out of the top ten. I won a fight that got me into the top ten. Okay. So I'm seventh in the world. This guy is like eleventh or twelfth. He was in the top ten. Um, my trainer had a bright idea. Let's fight him and prove that we belong here. Hmm. Uh, but we didn't have to prove nothing. 
We were already right there. there. Once you're seventh in the world, you're going to get a title shot. You probably get a title shot before the number two and number three and number one guy because they'd rather fight somebody in the latter part mm-hmm. of the top ten. So I was already in line for a title shot, but we made a mistake and took that fight. Um, it was a war. I got knocked down twice. He got knocked down twice. Blood everywhere. We're trying to kill each other. And I, I ended up losing a split decision. After that, my manager died. Um, 911 just happened. And uh, I came back I came back home. Mm. I, got, I couldn't take it. I came back home. I came back home and I, I found myself um, depressed. Mm-hmm. Very, very depressed. And, 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 and vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Vulnerable to drugs. Mm-hmm. And I started back um, doing drugs again. Okay. And this time it, it got worse. It was worse this time. And I ended up um, in the Illinois state prison okay. this time. And um, wow, that was a rough one. Mm-hmm. That was a rough one. They got it happen because this time something happened when I was in prison. Okay. Um, I had a, I had a dream. At least I thought it was a dream. It was uh it was actually some things that really happened in my life. Um, I was walking in California down an alley trying to score some drugs, and somebody started shooting at me. And I know it was at me because when I ducked behind the, the garbage dumpster, the bullets were hitting the dumpster, mm. and I knew I was gonna get killed. I knew it. Somebody was trying to take me out. Um, I woke up from the dream, even though that was a reality part of my life. And a voice said, I was the one to stop. I was the force field to stop the bullets from hitting you. It was a voice. And I I never forget that voice. Never. And then I instantly went back to another time in my life when I was rolling a, a blunt with marijuana. And I put crack cocaine on it. And I sprinkled some crystal meth on it. And I rolled it up and I dipped it in a bombing fluid. And I hit it. And my heart was... And I thought I was going to die. And immediately the dream stopped again. And a voice said, I was the one to stop you from ODing. And oh, I lost it. I, I fell off the bunk. I was on the floor. And I just started yelling, what can I do to thank you for saving my life? It's what can I do? And I looked down and it was a puddle of tears down there. And a voice said, learn of me. Tell everyone I've done for me and before you and tell them I can do the same thing for them. After that moment, uh, I talked to the counselor at the prison and I said, I want to get in that Bible study class you guys got um, where you can get into the college. And she said, well, the list is so long. It's my, it might take you about two or three months to get in. I said, okay. Two or three days later, she came to me and told me, well, we got you in. And I started studying the Word of God. Uh, I went to college, uh, International College of Bible Theology. And um, after I got out, I continued school. I got into uh, ministry with uh, my my mother's home church. The pastor took me under his wing and brought me up, ordained me in four years. After four years, I got ordained as a a pastor in ministry. And I started, uh, I opened up a gym. Call it Pat Cat Boxing. And um, I had a couple of gyms, but financially I couldn't just keep them all going because I I, I, I charge a lot cheaper than everybody because mm-hmm. I, I really care more about the, the person than I do the money. And so I was to start, you know, I had a couple of gyms and now I got a program. My boxing pack program is in um, different, I use different gyms from mm-hmm. different places. Okay. That's what I'm doing now. Gotcha. So, so, you may have already mentioned it, but I just want to really kind of solidify it. So you've had throughout your life, there's been a couple different time periods where you've had uh, calls or wake up calls or yeah. moments, right? Yeah. Uh, every, you know, after the one, the one uh, fighting that one champion, he sat with you for an hour and gave, yes. you, some, gave you some heads up about what you were going to see mm-hmm. and what not to do. And then, and then that gentleman, when you were in the state penitentiary in California, mm-hmm. um, talking about what are you doing? Yeah. Right. And, but this, this road to Damascus experience, right? This, yes. this, this wake up was different. Yeah. And, and so what was different not just with the experience, but what was different afterwards? 
what 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 did what did Pat do afterwards that was different this time? Because you were still in the penitentiary, yeah. At the time, you started taking classes. Mm-hmm. You know, started taking. Um, what was different once you got got released this I, I, time? I surrendered. I, I surrendered. Um, I always had a plan for everything I was doing. I always had a plan, but but this time I I I gave up. I said, okay, this is not about me anymore. Um, it was like you know how people say, um, I need this from God or I need this and I need that. My 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 thing was God. What can I do for you now? Mm. You've done so much. You've done so much for me. You brought me through the storm. What can I do for you now? I'm not asking you for anything no more. That was that was the big difference. Mm-hmm. That's when I said, you know what? I'm tired of taking and and using. Now, God, what can I do? Put me to work. Mm-hmm. That was the big difference out of all of it. I surrendered totally and said, okay, not belong to you. Okay. I think that's what did it. Because I think that, right, yes, sir. is going to be a much better defense against the temptation of the lifestyle, mm-hmm. the temptation of the flash, yeah. of the quick get get in the lights fast. Yeah. Because there's always that temptation. Yeah. It's just different. There's different ways, right? Mm-hmm. There's different ways of it. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but when we surrender, mm. We can then see. Yeah, you can see clear. You can see what's false. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. It's like, oh my God, um, I, that's perfect because you can see clearer now. Mm-hmm. You can see, you can see what it is and what it's for. Who mean you any good and who don't? Mm-hmm. Who cares about you? Who don't. Now after after and, and I thank God for that. After after this, no more drug addiction and nothing like that. But I began to deal with a different. Um, Demon, I should say. Okay. Um, I started dealing with depression. Okay. Um, I started dealing with looking over my life and thinking of all the money I've messed up, and then coming back and seeing my mother struggling, mm-hmm. and thinking, "Wow, mom, I could have helped you out." You know, I remember I was crying to her, and I was like, "Mom, I could have helped you. I could have paid this house off a long time ago." Mm-hmm. You know, what I mean, really easy work. You know, and I felt so bad because of the things that. And that's what depression does. It, it, it'll bring you back just to to, to capture to get you trapped. And she said something. She said, "You know what?" She said, "Baby, the most important, the, the proudest day of my life when I was when I seen you go up there and get ordained." She said that covered everything. And then I, you know, that it made me feel better. Mm-hmm. But depression doesn't work like that. Mm-hmm. Depression keeps attacking you mm-hmm. in your sleep. Mm-hmm. And then I started feeling bad for. Things like the past, or how come I'm not here now? How come I didn't do this? And depression always messed with me, and actually still does. You know what I mean? But I, I, it doesn't get me to the point where I want to go do drugs because I, I believe that that I'm delivered from that. Okay. Right now, my, that's just my fight inside. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't. You know, I'm, I've been medication is not to me is not the answer. I'm not saying don't take medication because. You have to take medication. But I was taking depressed pills, and it wasn't doing nothing but making me a zombie. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and and it just wasn't working for me, per se. Right. So what I did was I gave it to God again. Yeah. And I said, God, you got me over d- drug addiction. You can help me get over depression. And mm-hmm. I and I believe it. And I'm still going to always struggle with I'm not struggle with them, but all, they're always going to be there. Mm-hmm. Addiction, it will wake itself up. It's like a sleeping tiger. It's going to wake itself up. It's going to bother you. It's going to. But once you get past it, you know, the little initial little attack you're good yeah you know the depression is something i'm still battling with mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and um i i've been like you never get your you get your answers from different you never know where you're gonna get your answers from yeah. and i was uh i was uh alex gary is, is, a, is a friend of mine and um he has a daughter named hannah that's been dealing with these things all her life and i, I was boxing training her and we was going for a run one day and um she didn't know how depressed I really was or what I was going through at that time. But she just started talking while we we're jogging. I'm riding a bike and she's jogging. And she just talking. She's just talking. And she was telling me or explaining to me how she handles depression and the different options that she uses. And I was like, I'm sitting there crying like this girl, don't even know. <laughs> she's saving me right now. And I thank God for that because he's putting people in my life and you, you never know who they are. Yeah. But God will put people in your life to help you 
get through whatever you're going through. And they don't even necessarily have to know what you're going through. Yeah. We just have to have a listening ear. Yeah, just and, 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 and we have to hear with our heart. You remember when, when Jesus said, uh, he said, uh, those who have an ear, let them hear. Yeah. Then you got ear, E-A-R. You got hear, H-E-A-R. Yeah. Then you got to hear with your heart, H-E-A-R-T. Yeah. Yeah. And since I've been doing that, it's been helping me every day. Bro. Yeah. 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 You know, I think... You know, just as I'm listening to you, thinking about the idea of, you know, before the the temptation, yeah. what was about, you know, that that same thing that drove you to to want to train hard, to to want to make it. That same thing also, you know, wanted that other side, wanted that lifestyle, that wanted lifestyle, that, yeah. you know. And 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 when you said earlier about being addicted to lifestyle, I remember for me that was my deal. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the steroids. It, it, was, it was just it, the life. It was the, it was the lifestyle that I was afraid of giving up. Mm. Because who would I be if I gave it up? Right. You know, who would I be if I didn't compete? What what would that be like? Right. Um and and so a similar type of experience and and but then there's that el- the other element. So that one's so that one's contained, right? Mm-hmm. It can, it, it's contained over here. But the dark side has another way of coming back and say, oh, oh okay, well, so you got a you got a defense for that one. Well, how about all the all the all the shit you've lost because right. of being stupid? Keep on attacking me. So then, <laughs> so then it's going to be about regret. It's going right. to be about missed opportunities. It's going to be about hurting people, right? And so, in the twelve steps, they talk about doing that. Uh, you know, four step that fearless and moral inventory. Yep, inventory of yeah. yourself. Yeah. And I think what's beautiful about that element, right? So you do the fourth step, and then there's a fifth step where once you once you do that, you say it to another person, so you actually know you did it, right? Mm-hmm. And then it's done. It, the slate's wiped clean, yeah. right? And if we believe that something greater than ourselves, God, has yes. released us from that, yes. so then when we're tempted to go back down there. You to remind yourself, I'm released from this. Yeah. Yeah. It, it it sounds like it's too simple, but it, but it works. <laughs> but it works. It works. Yeah. Otherwise, and, I'd have been doing drugs a long time ago. Yeah. Yeah. I've given it up. Yeah. So, in in your, I think you're 100 percent right. Just you never know, right? You, you know, you're you're training someone, and and she's ends up helping you right. with something completely different. I'm sitting there riding a bike in tears, and she don't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. She don't even know what I'm trying about. She don't even know that she just helped. Help me find an answer yeah. to some things, yeah. and that's how God works, man. Exactly. Yeah. There's a, there's a whole lot more of everyone being connected that way yeah. than not. So so Patrick, right now you, you you obviously you're you're a minister, yes sir. Um, and but your ministry is also in the gyms. That's where it's, that's where that's where it's at. I mean, I I am an associate pastor in a church. Uh, when we go out and do things, I do I preach every now and then, maybe three or four times. A year, but my my ministry is really what I'm in my job, just just working with helping people, yeah. and I just want to see people. You know, I'm helping them lose weight, helping them get their hands right, self confidence and stuff like that. But it's the, I get a chance to sprinkle a little nugget of love, yeah. the love of God. You know, I get a chance to do it all, yeah. and that's just a blessing, man. Just as, and then there's a lot of fighters that's going through it, and I can be that. I'm not, I'm like the old guy saying, hey man, these things are going to happen. Yep. They're gonna come your way. Yeah. But you know what? There is an answer. Yeah. You know, and I get I'm the guy that's I'm I'm like a soul mommy now. I'm the one to yeah. get a chance to minister to other ones, but my life and my life example, I mean things that I've been through in life is really what, what helps me because they understand it. They yeah. they knew I was there and I let them know, hey, I know what it takes to get it, and I know what it takes to mess it up. Yep. yep. And I get a chance to share that with them. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that part of it, you know, uh, similar to what your mom said about the part that you're, she, she was proudest about, right? Yeah. It wasn't about being on TV. Right. It wasn't about, no, you yeah. know, it, it was about what you did after you fell. Yeah. Right? It's about getting and, up, huh? Yeah, it's about <laughs> getting up, right? And it's about continuing on that journey. And then and then giving back yeah. because it was given to you. Right. You know? I can't keep it for myself, man. Yeah. I was just listening to my pastor yesterday talk about the idea of that that new commandment, right, new commandment. Uh, about loving others. You, you know, love love others as I've loved you. Mm-hmm. And and so that idea of because it was done for you, um, you were released from those things, you were protected. Now I'm hearing that you're giving back. I got to. I so, love it, man. So. That's what it's all about. All right. I mean, I think that's the comeback story yep. for anybody. It's, it's not about the falling down. Yeah. It's about the getting up. Yeah. 
and and the Bible says a wise man gets up seven times. And what they mean by that, they mean in complete time. That yeah. he always gets up. That's yeah. what they mean because number seven is completion. So get up every time. Yeah. yeah. And and that's it, man. Getting up. Yeah. So Pat, thank you very much for being here today. You. Your story is is not only a great story because you have a lot of stories of all the people you met and, your, and different things, but but more importantly, the power of your story is what you've done with it now. Yes, so sir. if there's anything that you would want to part with today uh, and share with anybody listening, what would you, what would you want to leave with? Never give up. Never give up. Nothing is too hard for God. Never give up. If I can do it, you can do it. He's no respecter of persons. He can do it for anybody. All right. Patrick, thank you very much. Thank you, sir. All right. Um, thank you very much for joining us today. As, um, as Patrick shares his story and his drive to be one of the top in the world in his particular profession of boxing, but how those distractions got in the way of that, but how at different time periods in his life he had people planting seeds with him and that God was there all along. And then that became part of the story, which, um, that, which he then um, failed forward, and now he's given back. Uh, thank you very much for being with us today, and look forward to being with you next week.